Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, coming up this weekend is our long-awaited Reformation Boise Conference 2019. We have two special guest speakers, Dr. Mark Jones and Dr. Cornelis Venema, and our theme is In Christ Alone. Now, all the details about the conference, including how to register, are at ReformationBoise.com. Now, recently on the broadcast, we have been previewing some of the sessions that our guest speakers will be addressing. And now we come to our last topic, which is on the return of Christ. I just wanted to say real quickly that our previewing is is going to, I believe, pale in comparison to what they're going to talk about. So I think you want the real deal and go to the conference. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are not blowing anything at all at this point. We're not giving you the whole banana or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think that's a saying. Probably not. I get my <laughs> wires crossed all the time, and you guys make me so nervous when I'm in the room with you. I'm so intimidated. Okay, right. yeah, so right. as we're talking about the return of Christ, um, somewhere, sometime, some Christian did a statistical analysis of the Bible regarding the second coming of Christ and found that one out of every 30 verses in the Bible is a reference to the second coming of our Lord. It was also discovered that for one verse for every one verse that speaks about the first coming of Christ, there are eight verses that deal with the second coming of Christ. So this doctrine of the second coming is massive when we're looking at the scripture. So brothers, why is the return of Christ so important? I believe it's because uh, it has everything to do with the gospel, uh, the gospel which includes Christ's cross, his church, and his return. And when we think about his return, it's the lens which we, with which we understand our Christian faith and practice. It's, uh, it's also a, it, you know, this historical event here that we're talking about. Uh, it's it's the, the expectation of it is the context in which we have perspective even on our present suffering. Uh, John 16, 22 says, You have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And so I think that, um, you know, it's it's a reminder of the gospel for us when we begin to focus in on Christ's return, what what that, how that's going to complete. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the the gospel, uh, of course, has so many dimensions, but, but certainly central to the gospel is hope. Mm-hmm. And the second coming of Christ uh, the the truth of the second coming of Christ shows us that the hope we have in Christ is not just for individuals. The hope we have in Christ is for this whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Christ is is coming back, and that his his righteousness and he's he's going to all sin evil is going to be put down, defeated finally forever, mm-hmm. and that's the world we're headed toward. Mm-hmm. And so the second coming of Christ is a truth that uh, 
fills believers, needs to fill believers with hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much hopelessness about the world or, or a sense of despair, uh, particularly, uh, I, I think today, um, <laughs> dis- despair about this world and where it's going uh, is epidemic and central to Christian hope and to the gospel is that Christ holds the future in his hands and he will physically, visibly, uh, suddenly return uh, to claim this world. Yeah, we think about we think about world history in a kind of a four act drama. We think about its creation and then the fall of man, you know, through sin, uh, redemption and restoration and Christ's return is the, now this main event to, toward which this entire age that we live in is moving. It's moving to the victory of God's redemptive purposes, uh, and you know. So we go move from the this present age that we're living in uh, to the beginning of the restoration of all things when He returns. Mm. And so this is the this is the focus, and we find it all through Scripture. We, you know, Peter preached repentance regarding the death and resurrection of Christ in Acts chapter three. He said, "Repent." Therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing, and this is pointing forward to that day, the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So this is, the, this is to where we're moving. This is the gospel. This is the good news. I think the return of Christ is so important to me personally in just the idea that it's a great barometer of where my own heart is. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I go on a trip and I'm away from my wife and I have no desire to see her, I think that says something about yeah. my affection for my wife. We are now parted from Christ, even though we have union with him, we still are separated from him physically. And there should be a longing. There should be a desire to to have him come. And if that's missing, it, it tells us something about our own yeah. our own affection for Christ. And so it's good for me to just occasionally ask the question: Am I longing for the second appearing of Christ? And if not, why? Why? What are the reasons behind my lack of mm. a desire to see Christ come in all of His fullness and all of His glory? And as Jonathan was saying, to restore all things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, why is the return of Christ so important? I would say because that's why he created the universe for us to be with him. Sin has separated us from him. And at the return of Christ, this is the promise in the Bible, which Jesus said in John 14, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. Um, this is <laughs> Which is com- interesting. He doesn't say, I'll come and I'll take you to heaven. The object is that we get to see and be right. with him. Yeah, heaven is not heaven if Christ is not there. In fact, I think Luther said something like, I would rather be in hell with Christ than in heaven without him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you think are some of the contributing factors that would cause churches to de-emphasize the teaching of the second coming? Well, I think that and because the return of Christ has been divorced from this good news, the gospel, it's been hijacked by, somebody said, half-baked future snoopers. And, uh, you know, there's this fascination to look into things that God hasn't revealed 
and they look for those, those signs in news and newspapers. They speculate about the past and the present the events. They're, they want to be code breakers and date setters, and they're involved in this end time fiction and that. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, in some ways that either, you know, it limits who is interested, but it also, you know, puts off other people you know, who then become apathetic or burnt out. It's like an us. overreaction yeah. against it. Yeah, there's an, yeah, there's, there's an apathy and a burnt outness from uh, what has taken place. And they think that, well, this is not necessary. All I have to do is, you know, it's all going to pan out in the, in the end. It's all, God's going to control. I'll just go along with life. And I'd rather listen to something practical about the family or the home or something like that from my, from my pastor, you know, but we're told that this is eminently practical. You know, the, you know, Second Peter 3 deals with the promise of Christ coming. He says, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the day of the coming of, the, of God? Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think that it's an eminently practical doctrine. And to say that it's not important or it's all going to work out um, in kind of a certain apathy uh, to it uh, misses out, as you pointed out, you know, how many times in Scripture this is mentioned. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, you know, People count numbers in different ways. You know, somebody said one out of 25 verses, one out of 30, you know, all reflect on the second coming of Christ. That's right. I think another reason, and and Jonathan alluded to this, but perhaps another reason why churches avoid it is because there is controversy around it and people will bring uh, different points of view. And sometimes uh, Christian churches just want to avoid conflict. And so it's like, well, let's not they should, bring... They should stop preaching the gospel. They then. Should, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> stop preaching the word. And it could be, you know, because, you know, it's going to... Come believe um, nothing with us. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be avoided. Uh, but so I, I think sometimes it is avoided out of, out of a desire to avoid conflict. Um, and, but biblical truth shouldn't, shouldn't be avoided for, for certainly for that reason. Although I, I, I certainly would make a plea... Uh, to believers out there, you're listening to this, you're a believer, you're part of a church, um, and perhaps you have a lot of questions about the return of Christ and, and the timing of that great event. Um, perhaps you have decided convictions and you have an idea that you've got a pretty good grip on uh, what the Bible says about the future and the meaning of prophecy and the meaning of Daniel and the book of Revelation, etc., I would just make a plea to all believers uh, that this is a place both for, and, and the two can go together, both for conviction and for modesty. Uh, let's be convicted about what the Word plainly teaches, and let's not shy away from teaching it. Uh, but let's also bring a modesty and a forbearance uh, with one another uh, because... Uh, there are questions that are always going to be there. For instance, the day and the hour. Remember that Jesus said, nobody knows it. I don't, Jesus said he didn't even know it. Only the Father knows it. So bring some modesty to your interpretations of the return of Christ. I, I think, just if I could just quickly say it, is 
one, the overemphasis in too many churches where almost every message ends up being about the, the end times has caused an overreaction on, in part for other churches to say, well, no, we're not going to talk about that all the time. And so then what ends up happening is we don't talk about it as we ought. But second, because of all of this talk in broader Christendom, a lot of it, which is probably not overly helpful, not overly biblical, not overly sound, creates this tension where you're almost over-preaching to correct error, which then makes it feel like a burden to go through it. Um, But I think third, um, the book of Revelation, um, of all the New Testament books, it is the book that actually quotes the most or alludes the most to the Old Testament. And so what happens is because people's knowledge of the Old Testament is so um, part or slim and, and they can't really engage with end times and second coming and all of those things that go along with it in a very meaningful way, because quite honestly, they don't know scripture well enough to have the meaningful teaching and, and edu- I mean, and um, learning that could take place because they don't come to it with enough knowledge. Yeah. Right. And so that makes it hard to preach because you feel like you're continually having to, to go back and teach something in the Old Testament that they've missed. And so that makes it difficult. Yeah. I think one more factor I would add to that, why some churches de-emphasize the teaching of the second coming is because the very natural proclivity of all of us is to move towards the temporal and away from the eternal. We kind of become victims of life and circumstances and we just get caught up. And And, and everybody is subject to that, even pastors and preachers you and bet. elders. And it's, and it's this blessed hope that the scripture calls us to. It talks about how we are supposed to be waiting for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So sometimes it's just a victim of the natural mind. Mm-hmm. So really quick, yeah. we have 30 seconds. What is one resource that you would give for for this uh, uh, doctrine of the end times. The Bible in the Future by Anthony Huxema. The End Times Made Simple by Samuel Waldron. Uh, the Meaning of the Millennium, Four Views. It's edited by Robert C. Klaus, C-L-O-U-S-E. And it'll give you four different views of the meaning mm-hmm. of the millennium and uh, so that you can see what the major views are out there and make your own decision. And I would give uh, the momentous event by W.J. Greer, The Momentous Event. So you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We hope to see you this coming weekend at the Reformation Conference. Just go to reformationboise.com to register. We'll see you then. 